Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's episode is brought to you by the support of our listener. Thank you so much for your support. Now it's time for today's episode of Mr. Moto, Blackmail. This is Mr. Moto, Mr. I.A. Moto. The National Broadcasting Company presents the world's most brilliant international secret agent, Mr. I.A. Moto. The popular Japanese character created by Pulitzer Prize winner John P. Marquand. Mr. Moto is quiet, suave, impeccably groomed. And he is fighting the enemies of law and order with courage and heroism. His only weapons are his mind, sharp and lightning fast. Together with his cool and calculated knowledge of the behavior patterns exhibited by every race of people in the world. Tonight's story is one of blackmail. Starring Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. <laughs> Eileen Declet has known me since I was a child in San Francisco. Now that she is 60, I feel for her almost the same affection as for my own revered mother. Still, she has the kind of courage that made her keep a scheduled Red Cross engagement the day after she received notification that her eldest son had been killed on Guadalcanal. Now she was in trouble and she had sent for me. She received me in the morning room of her Fifth Avenue house. Her fine old eyes were strained with worry and bewilderment. Mr. Noto, I've had the most incredible shock. I simply don't know which way to turn. Then turn my dear old friend to me. Come now, let me share your trouble. That, after all, is what friends are for. It's Paul. What about Paul? I have reason to believe that my youngest son is... Is what? If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I just wouldn't believe it. Please, tell me. Well, last night I couldn't sleep. I tossed around till three in the morning. Then I put on a robe and came down to the library. It was so warm, I sat outside. There are French doors that opened from the library to the patio. I was sitting there in the dark... When quite suddenly, someone switched on the library lights. It was Paul. He couldn't see me, but I could see him quite clearly. And? He... He stole a necklace of mine out of the library wall safe. Stole it? Mr. Moto, he was wearing gloves. I see. Then he turned off the lights and went upstairs. Without knowing you had seen him? Yes. It worried me so I couldn't sleep all night. Finally, I telephoned you. The necklace is valuable? 
Baguette diamonds and cabochon emeralds set in platinum. One of the emeralds weighs 34 carats. It was a wedding gift from my husband. But since his death, I practically never wear it. And Paul knows this? Yes. He knows that, oh, months might go by before I missed it. And you want it back? I could probably get it back by going up to his room and asking for it. That isn't what I want. I want to help him. He's all I have in the world. So our problem is why? Why did he steal it? Yes. He needs money, perhaps? Well, he has a good position. And he gets a thousand dollars a month from his father's estate. Mrs. Duplett, has Paul never married? Uh, no. Why do you hesitate? Oh, there was a girl once. They were engaged. She died. Oh. I am so sorry. Mr. Moto, I don't get upset very easily. But I'm sure there's something wrong in this house. Something evil and terrifying and dishonest. I know Paul is in trouble. Trouble that I'm too old. Mr. Moto. Yes. Who would telephone Paul at a quarter to nine in the morning? How do you know it's for Paul? There's an extension in his bedroom. He's obviously answered it. But surely Paul has many friends who telephone him. Seldom at a quarter to nine. And especially the night after he's stolen necklace. Mr. Moto, I want you to listen to that conversation. My dear old friend, to eavesdrop on someone else's How company... How the will hang up? I am a furry. But it's such a... Then I... No, will... no, 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 if you insist. Mr. Receiver, quietly. I mean it. Don't telephone me at home. Get the necklace? Yes, last night. Bring it to the Maltese room of the Berkeley at 7. All right. And Paul, if you want to stay living, don't try anything smart. Riddick. Hello? Well, Paul is meeting a man named Riddick in the Maltese room of the Berkeley at 7. To give him the necklace? Yes. Why? Why? Mrs. Declat, has Paul ever been arrested? No. You're sure? Oh, two or three minor traffic violations. And that is all? Yes. My dear old friend, this is not my usual line of work. I am saving for years in a week. Oh, please, you've got to help me. I couldn't possibly go to the police. Not about my own son. Please, Mr. Moto, you're the only one I can trust. Well, then of course I will help you. Please, try not to worry. Let me do that for you. Now, do you suppose that... Paul coming. Morning, Mother. I'm afraid I'm late for breakfast, but... Why, Mr. Moto... Hello, Paul. Good morning, dear. How are you, Mr. Moto? Fine, thank you. You and uh, Mother hatching of a plot? <laughs> Your mother and I meet for a gossip twice a year. Like the stockholders. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I can't join you. I'm late for the office. Dining home tonight? Uh, no. Barbara and I are going to the theater. I'll give her my love. Have a nice time. Uh, thanks. I'm sorry to rush off, Mr. Moto. I hope I'll see you soon. Goodbye, Paul. Bye, darling. Goodbye. <clears throat> you must admit he's a good actor. Impeccable. Oh, he's so fine. So decent. Mr. Moto, what can we do? I will go to the Maltese room at seven. In the meantime, I'll make a few inquiries. I am sure that whatever the trouble is, Paul will be all right. Uh, Mr. Moto, uh, there's just one thing. Yes? Some years ago, I needed money rather badly. I didn't want to disturb investment, so I sold the necklace. 
for $50,000. And later bought it back? Well, it seems silly to have that amount of money and jewelry I never wore. I had a duplicate made. You mean the necklace Paul took last night? Yes. It's worth about $200. That's grand, which is very kind of you to see me on such short notice. Mr. Modo, I'm here to help people, especially people like you. Thank you so much. I would like to check the police files on a young man named Paul DeClette. Paul DeClette? Yes. Do you know him? I... Why, yes, I do. And his mother. I've known her for many years. A very gracious lady. Uh, yes, she is, Mr. Moto. Uh, uh, Paul DeClette has no prison record. I'm quite positive the files on him are negative. But you would have no objection if I checked? I'm afraid I would. Judge Burns, I do not understand. I... Look, Mr. Moto, I, I know you've done some brilliant work for the government. You're a man of honor and integrity. Uh, and naturally, I wish to cooperate with you in every way I can. However, yes? you are not a licensed detective in New York State. That is true. And if you wish to check Paul DeClette's file, you will have to get a notarized statement from him authorizing you to do so. But surely, Judge Burns, between friends, this formality can be dispensed with. I'm afraid not. But a detective's license would damage my cover as a secret agent. My regular work is done completely incognito. I am merely trying to assist an old friend. Then you must do so through routine channels. Very well. I am sorry if I have bothered you. Not at all. I assure you our next contact will be along much more formal lines. Arlene, Chester, can you talk freely? Yes, I'm alone. Do you know a Japanese named Moto? Yes, I do. By any chance, is he working for you? Oh, well, yes, he is, quite unofficially. Unofficially? Have you lost your mind? Do you realize what could happen to me if that little man ever reopened the Houghton murder case? Oh, Mr. Moto. Hello, Paul. I didn't expect to see you again today. The Mulchies room is my favorite bar. Oh, is it? Yes. Its mood falls gently on one's nerves. By any chance, you wouldn't be following me. My dear boy, what a ridiculous suggestion. Will you have a cocktail? Oh, no, thanks. I'm meeting a friend who should be here any minute. Oh, in fact, there he is now down the bar. Will you excuse me? Certainly. And remember to call me someday soon for lunch. Yes, yes, I'll do that. Hello, Radek. Who's that you were talking to? Friend? Ian on this? Don't be crazy. You sure? Of course I'm sure. Relax. Got the necklace? Yes. Have you the letter? I said I would, didn't I? Give it to me. Sure. Thanks. Here's the necklace. Under the bar, you idiot. Listen, Riddick, this finishes it. If you ever phone me or try to get in touch with me again, I'll... Well, I'll... You want. This is the end. You understand? It's finished. Oh, shut up and relax. Put the letter in the pocket. I... Remember, Radek. Don't call me again, ever. <laughs> so long, Paul. I'll be saying, yeah. And uh, keep out of trouble. Pardon me. Paul? 
Look, Mr. Moto, will you leave me alone? Would you prefer that I arrested you? Look, Moto, whatever it is you've been drinking, have a couple more and go home. Why did you give Mr. Radick under the bar? What? What are you talking about? The emerald necklace you stole last night. Listen, Moto, do you write detective fiction? Your mother saw you take it. She... Oh, now, look, here I... She saw you. She was outside on the patio. She couldn't sleep. I detest scenes in bars. I want a few minutes' conversation with you alone. You will be so kind as to come quietly to my apartment now. All right, I'm here. What do we do next? Well, I am your friend. Do you believe that? Why should I? I have known your mother since before you were born. So did my father. Paul, I know that you are in trouble. I want to help you. Your mother saw you take this necklace. She is worried and upset. For her sake, I am trying to protect the honor of the declared name. Oh, don't give me that oriental stuff about honor of the family. Paul, if you could see your way clear to trust me, I have no other motive but to be a friend. I am very fond of your mother, and I am very fond of you. Now tell me, please, you did give Radek the necklace, didn't you? Yes. In return for a letter? Yes. Blackmail? Yes. Involving what? Murder? Murder? I... I was in love with a girl named Mary Houghton. She... she was a singer in a nightclub that... that Radek owned. Radek owned it? He started out as a baker's helper when he was 16. He stole and fought and shot his way up to the top. He ended up owning the Canyon Club. Mary Houghton sang there. I... I was crazy about her. I was just a kid and... and she was... Dear boy, it is a very familiar pattern. We... We were going to be married. Then I found out that Radek was was paying the rent on her apartment. I I wrote her a letter. Here you may as well read it. Dearest Mary, I have thought about us all night. Can't you understand how tortured I am and that I'd rather you were dead than married to Radek? I promise you I'll kill you before I... Paul, how old were you when you wrote this? Twenty-one. Did you kill her? No. Well, I don't know. There were always a lot of older men. She even had a friend of mother's, a judge. Judge? Judge Burns? Yes, do you know him? Only slightly. Are you suggesting that Judge Burns... Or Radek. It could have been anybody. She played the field. And you were so in love with her, you didn't care? Yes. Then what happened? Well, there was an inquest. The verdict was suicide. You had an alibi? I was at my fraternity house. They had trouble fixing the exact time of death. Why? It was winter, 12 degrees below zero. All the windows in her apartment were left open. The body was frozen. Who found her? Radek. Went through her personal effects, found this letter, and kept it. And then telephoned the police? Oh, no, no, no. Then he went home. The building superintendent found her the next morning. One of the radiators was frozen and had burst. It leaked and... He went in to repair it. And none of this came out of the inquest? No, no. Everybody concerned had an alibi and the case was dropped. Dropped? What? Why? It seemed at the time as though there was pressure from higher up. Maybe Radek had something on the police. I don't know. And how long has this blackmail been going on? Well, this is the first time. Radek lost a lot of money recently. Paul, blackmail is something that never ends. What do you mean? I mean that Radek, in all probability, had made photostats of this letter. Promised me. He gave me his word. His word? Paul. Besides, the necklace you gave him was an imitation. 
Why? Yes, yes. Your mother told me this morning. But Dad gave it to her. She sold the original some time ago. She needed money. Then when Radek tries to sell it, he'll... Exactly. So, if he has not made photostats of the letter, our position is excellent. But how can we find out? What can we do? Where does Radek live? The Gorham Hotel, room 1123. Telephone him. Do you know his number? Yes, but... but what will I say? Nothing. If he answers, hang up. I merely wish to find out if he is at home. Mr. Radek, please. 1123. Thank you. Are they ringing? Yeah. He's not in. Then we shall break into his room and search it. Oh, you're crazy. Surreptitious entry is something about which I know a great deal. I have the equipment and the experience. Now, come along. We took a taxi to the Gorham Hotel. The 11th floor hallway was deserted, but brilliantly lit. Radek's door was around the corner in a dead end of the hall. While I worked on the lock, Paul stood guard nervously. Hurry up. Delicacy and haste are poor companions. Can you open it? It would help if you were quiet. Ah. What do we do if Radek comes back? We will rely on the inspiration of the moment. Come along. If we're caught here, we'll be... Turn on the light. Now, where would a man of Radek's disposition hide valuable papers? The desk. Too obvious. Let me think. Mr. Moto, listen. Someone's coming. Which way, Dick? I know that whistle. Go in the bathroom quickly. Don't close the door. Just keep out of sight and be quiet. He carries a gun, Moto. He's right. Go in the bathroom quickly and be quiet. Do not come out unless I call you. Be careful. He's dynamite. What the... Please, Mr. Radek, do not reach for your gun. This is a friendly call. How the devil did you get in here? Who are you? The door was unlocked, so I took the liberty of coming in. You did, did you? Well, you can take the liberty of getting out fast. Mr. Radek, would you like to make a great deal of money? Beat it. I am serious. Surely there is no harm in our discussing it. There is something I want done. That's so? Like what? May we talk it over? The two minutes. Talk fast. You are most kind. Uh, may I have a cigarette? Look, what is this? What goes on? I have come to you because you have a reputation for being a tough man. And Mr. Radek, I need a tough man. I need him so badly, I am willing to pay $20,000 for his services. 20000 Yes. Are you interested? I might be. What is it? May I have that cigarette? Sure. Here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, you have a match? A lighter. Thank you. Jujitsu is very handy for dealing with tough men, Mr. Ickes. Listen, what is nice? You will observe that a few ounces more pressure on your elbow will tear the shoulder bone from the socket. Paul, yes. come here quickly. Now listen, Paul, have you drained up the... Get it done quickly. Right. Got it. Mr. Radick, we have very little time. You will never use this arm again unless you give us what we want. Where are the photostats of that letter? Wouldn't you like to... Not... Another half inch, Mr. Radick, and you will be a cripple. Where are they? In an envelope. 
Bottom draw the bureau. Get them, Paul. Yes, they're here. Is that all of them, Medic? Yes. I don't believe you. It's true. I, I had a dozen made. That's all. Count them, Paul. I am. That's right. There's a dozen. The negative? It's here, too. Keep him covered, Paul. All right, Medic. Get up. I would advise you not to try blackmail again. It is a revolting profession. Go ahead, Paul. Now, listen. What's your name? I am Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. If you wish to see me, I am in the Manhattan directory. Good night, Mr. Reed. Oh, Mr. Moto, I... I don't know how to thank you. I... Don't. Something is radically wrong. Wrong? Why? Give me Mr. Reed's gun. Uh... Thank you. Oh, by the way... Here is your mother's necklace. You took it from him? It was extremely simple. Paul, I have some other calls to make. Go home. If Radiac gets in touch with you again, telephone me at once at my apartment. But why would he? We've gotten the photo stats and... Unfortunately, I am quite, quite sure that I have bungled. Judge Burns, I too have friends in high places in this city... I was given access to the files on the Mary Houghton murder case. Murder, I'm not interested. I told you that. Nevertheless, you shall listen. The bullet which killed Mary Houghton was fired from a German Luger automatic of 9mm caliber. The gun was never found until tonight. What, what do you mean? In Carl Radek's possession. Item two. A single strand of short gray hair was sent to the police laboratory. It had been found under Mary Houghton's fingernail. How do you know all this? The cellular arrangement, diameter, and general condition of the hair was being examined when the laboratory attendant was suddenly called to the police commissioner's office. When he returned, the hair had disappeared. Why? Get out of here. Judge Burns, your hair is both gray and short. Hello? Ah, good morning, Paul. Did you sleep well? I just heard from Radek. He's on his way over. To your house? Yes, right now. Is your mother in? She has a headache. She's still in bed. I will be there in 15 minutes. You two think you can get away with this? You're crazy. There's nobody pulls a trick like that on me. It's a Radek. It is obvious. Shut up. I'll do the talking. Paul, you murdered Mary Hart. I didn't. All right, try explaining that letter in court. Now, either pay me off or it goes to the police by noon. There were more than a dozen photostats made. As a matter of fact, there weren't. Mr. Moto, what's he mean? We've got 12 of them. I think he's bluffing. Paul, I used to be a baker. Remember? Ah, a baker's dozen. Thirteen. Now, let's cut out the fool around. And don't try offering me that phony necklace. Fifty thousand in cash by noon. You've got two hours and a half, so you better get started. I can't possibly get $50,000 in cash by noon. Now wake up your old lady and tell her to cash a check. That will not be necessary, Mr. Redick. Mother. This is the is needless. I'll do the contrary, Mr. Moto. It's very important that I be included in this discussion. I've been listening at the door. Mr. Redick, get out. Look, Grandma, Junior here's a killer. You can come down off your high and mighty throne. Mother, I didn't kill her. I didn't. That letter will send you the chair so fast you won't know what hit you. Tell him, Mr. Moto. All right, let's... Cut out the talk. Fifty thousand in cash by noon, or Sonny Boy can take the consequences. Mr. Moto, you have guessed the truth. Judge Burns telephoned me. I hate to do this to him, but I have no other choice. What do you mean, Judge Burns? Mother, are you trying to say that Judge Burns killed Mary? No, Paul. She is trying to say that she did. 
My dear old friend, if only you had told me everything from the beginning. Oh, I didn't think it would be necessary. I never connected Paul's feeling in the necklace with Mary Houghton's murder. She was cheap and common and despicable. For $10,000, she promised to end her engagement with Paul. And the day after I paid her, she broke that promise. I went to her apartment. We had a... Oh, a dreadful scene. She took a gun from her desk. Radex gun, as you know now. And ordered me out. I tried to take the gun away from her. It went off. But why did you put the windows up? I was wearing heavy perfume. I thought it might be noticed. I had no one to turn to, so I went to Judge Burns. And he managed to obtain the only bit of evidence against me. The gray hair under Mary Houghton's fingernail. Yes. Please do not worry for me. I'm an old woman. I've had a rich, full life. And I have a fine boy. But a murder trial is so terribly unpleasant. Oh, Mr. Moto, I'll never live through a murder trial. Please do not worry about me. Why would Judge Burns do this? Why would he conceal evidence of this nature? Well, he felt obligated to me. In the crash of 29, he lost everything he had. I sold the necklace and gave him $50,000. You mean loaned him? Oh, no, no, it was a gift. So when I was in trouble, he tried to help me. I'd so like him not to be disgraced. His part in this must never be known. He wouldn't have done it if he believed that I, well, that I wasn't innocent. He is in love with you, isn't he? We never see each other. He has a wife and family. I see. Mr. Moto. Yes? Do you think they'll convict me? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. We, the jury, find the defendant, Eileen Declet, guilty of murder. But Eileen Declet's destiny was not long in the hands of justice. Before she could begin the sentence of imprisonment for the rest of her natural life, her tired but still gorgeous spirit faded as does incense in a temple, quietly and gently into the strange, sad mystery of the world beyond. You have just heard the world's greatest international secret agent, Mr. I.A. Moto, in Blackmail. James Monks starred as Mr. Moto. The script was written and directed by Harry W. Junkin, produced by Carol Irwin. Other members of the cast were Bill Lipton, Grace Cuddy, and Ralph Bell. The music was transcribed. Welcome back. Yeah, I have to say that, uh, ah, I meant a baker's dozen has to be one of my all-time favorite, uh, clues. Uh, I think in the position Mr. Moto was, uh, kind of in, uh, on the intense side in terms of, uh, interrogators. Um, you know, the position he was in, and he was going to lie, he wasn't going to be able to, I don't think he was thinking, let's, oh, I've got to find some way so that later on I can say, technically, I told you correct, but it was a baker's dozen. Uh, and also kind of minimalist on the uh, effect. This has the feel, I don't know whether it's a rehearsal 
or a um, badly edited uh, tape. But we we do our best uh, with what we have available. So I apologize that uh, some of these uh, key things are missing from this. A lot of the transitions, and we just kind of get action upon action here. So kind of odd, but... All right, listener comments and feedback. Um, Bobby uh, says, my wife and I have watched all the Mr. Moto movies. This was our first time to hear the radio show. I enjoyed it, but wanted to hear a few more episodes before I make up my mind. Thanks for sharing. Well, thanks, Bobby. And I will say that I'm actually enjoying uh, Mr. Moto uh, the second time through some of these episodes. I haven't listened to all of them. I think I listened to four or five of the 13 we're going to play. Um, but I, the, these first three I'd heard, and I actually like them better the second time through. Um, and then uh, we do have a comment on Facebook from Bill Wise Guy uh, Palucci, who says, listening to the Thin Man tonight. Well, thanks, Bill. And uh, I love it folks uh, avail themselves of our archive, which is available at archives.greatdetectives.net. We have so many shows. We've been uh, all the way through over the past four years um, that uh, if you, you didn't hear it the first time, uh, you just go, uh, go to archives.greatdetectives.net and you can listen to any of the shows we've done. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with uh, the next part of the Forbes matter, and then join us back here next Tuesday for another episode of Mr. Moto. In the meanwhile, I'll send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.